Our passage for today is from Luke 12, 49 through 56. Not peace, but division. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I'm under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Interpreting the Times. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Uh, my name is Andrew Case, and for those who don't know me, I've been a member here at All Souls for over 10 years. And if you're like, I haven't seen that guy. It, with young kids, I'm a 9 a.m. service guy, so it's kind of funny just to like see you all sit around the seats. And some of you I remember from before kids when we were the 1045 people. It's great, great to be here this morning. Um, I uh, have been on, serving on the board of a uh, school called Peace Preparatory Academy, which we've heard of. We've started sponsoring um, here as a church and supporting. But I've been able to be involved since January of 2015. Um, and today we have, I have the honor and privilege of introducing a friend and brother in, in Benjamin Wills. Um, and Benjamin is our founder and head of school. And as I remember the, the introduction and the story starting, I remember the, the then board chair pitching me this, this vision of a guy who wants to start a Christian school. And I'm a CPA by trade, so of course you know the first person they had to knock out was their treasurer. So he's telling me, hey, this guy's starting a Christian school, do you have any interest? And I said thanks, but no thanks, right? And he goes, listen, I need you to meet this guy, Benjamin. I said, all right, I'll, I'll meet Benjamin. And so I go to English Avenue, and Benjamin gives me a tour of the neighborhood. And everything kind of changed from there. Um, Benjamin kind of, you know, told me the story about the forgotten families and children that are over there and, and the status of, of what a lot of people live through. And he pitched a vision of not a Christian school, but a, a institution that is there to transform a neighborhood and transform families and children. Um, and it was, a, it was an amazing vision, right? And this guy is, his vision and his belief and his faith in God is, is both contagious and inspirational to me. Um, and, and when I look back since 2015, this guy has helped push my faith so hard. You know, as a treasurer, I'm often the conservative guy folks and like, dude, we can't do this. Your budget's way too big, right? I mean, we're, we're now approaching, I think, $2 million budget for this coming, upcoming year. And it's funded fully through grants and individual donors. And the amount of times I've sat in a room with him telling him, we can't do this. Right? We bought our building. We can't buy our building, Benjamin. And, and every time, the, his, his assurance and his confidence of like, we're going to be okay, man. God's going to get us through this. And we've gone through some, some dark times, right? Some tough times. There's been a lot of tension. And the amount of times Benjamin has ended with, God did not get me this far to abandon me now. 
and it's that <laughs> that's a story of Benjamin and it's a story of peace perhaps so I'm honored to have him here um, to, to speak to us uh, he is an ordained minister in the Anglican denomination this is a man of many gifts um, and, and I'm excited he's here to speak to us today thanks for uh, making me cry before I go appreciate that <laughs> I'll say a couple words uh, biographically so you can understand the ways I come to this passage today but as Andrew said I you know, sort of am, I guess, known for, if you will. My daughter says I'm not famous, but I'm well known uh, for starting a school, uh, which came about from a time in my life when I spent 40 days and 40 nights asking God to allow me to physically dream and just saying, what's the vision you have for people in this community, for this place? Um, and God is sharing that vision with me. And so I've been really privileged to walk in the things that I think God has for a people group um, and just to kind of come alongside and be usable by God. And so we've spent uh, the last decade or so living on the west side of Atlanta in a neighborhood that is known for having a life expectancy 20 some odd years less than other parts of our city. Uh, we feel like that's a gospel issue, and we feel like there are things that the people of God can do about that to ensure that flourishing is possible for kids and for families. Um, my wife and I uh, have five children, 11, 11, 10, 9, and 5, um, and so that's the context by which I come to this passage this morning and think about the words that Jesus is saying to us, and so let's jump into it. So it never fails if we have someone over for a meal that we clean just a little bit deeper than we normally do. And every time we grab the broom or something that looks like we're about to clean, it never fails that our children ask, who's coming over? And after I get over my initial offense at the idea that we would only clean if someone's coming over, I tell them who it is that's coming over. Maybe a little bit more revealing about myself, I also have this space in my house that if someone's coming uh, to stay, I've got to clean out because it's my guest room bathtub. And this is the place where the things that don't quite have a place or I don't know or I don't want to deal with them, that's the place those things go. And you may have a space like that, your attic or your closet. I saw a guy's trunk the other day and nothing to write home about. Um, so we all have these spaces where we just put things that we don't really want to look at or really want to deal with. And as I read this passage this week, the Spirit was coming to me in this imagination of Jesus as a person who comes for places like that. Jesus is a person who comes for the spaces in our heart where we've kind of hidden or tucked some things away out of sight because we're not quite ready to deal with them yet. And in Jesus's gentleness and kindness, we read or hear something that might sound harsh, intense, or confusing. But I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to give us ears this morning and eyes to see and imaginations for Jesus, a person who steps into our story and invites us into his story. And I think that's a little bit of what's going on in the story today. And so I wonder if we can engage our imaginations in this text and see Jesus inviting us to a more intimate way of offering presence to the Holy Spirit in our lives. So here's the big idea that I want to come around. Jesus invites us to offer hospitality to God's Spirit through surrender and attentiveness. Jesus invites us to offer hospitality to God's spirit through surrender and attentiveness. Another way to say this could be Jesus invites us to make space for the spirit of God to work in us so that God may work through us. And a third way, probably the most simple, is Jesus invites us, as Jesus always does, 
to live as Jesus lived. I want us to consider this morning that Jesus is inviting us to surrender, to be attentive. And this is really an invitation in, and it's not a calling out. There's three invitations I sense in the text this morning. There are three invitations to surrender. And so let's dive into those. To set the scene or the context of this, you got to kind of go back to the beginning of Luke chapter 12. And we read that crowds of people by the thousands are coming to hear this teacher. And throughout Luke chapter 12, there's a discourse that's both public and private. There's an in and an out. There's Jesus talking to the crowd, and then there's Jesus talking to his disciples. And where our passage picks up, he's just talking to the disciples. This is important because I think it gives that intimate backdrop to what Jesus is doing here. He's saying to this group of people that's walking really closely with him, hey, here's what's in our path. And he's preparing them for that path. And it's the kind of thing that Jesus is doing in these kinds of spaces where we're coming to worship, we're coming to acknowledge, we're coming to give, we're coming to receive a word from the Spirit to understand how are we going to walk this path? How are we going to go on this life, this journey with Jesus and the difficult things that lie ahead? And in there, he makes three invitations. The first is an invitation to surrender our comfort to surrender our comfort. Verse 50, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. This is, as Jesus often does with his disciples, a foreshadowing. It's metaphorical language, and of course we know he's talking about his death. The baptism that Jesus is to be baptized with is the physical death which is going to occur as the process of his life, and it's the purpose that he's coming. And so he's sharing something very intimate with the disciples here and with us. He's sharing something significant, that this is going to be a process and not a destination. And this is important. He's entering in, and he's inviting them to go on this journey with him. And this invitation, this invitation to surrender our comfort is an invitation away from our self-interest and towards the interest of accomplishing the purposes and plans of God for the broader world around us. If you go back and read all the discourse before, Jesus is talking about anxiety, he's talking about persecution, he's talking about fear, he's talking about staying ready, and all of this points to this reality that Jesus is inviting us into that this is his Father's world, and the Holy Spirit will provide for us all that we need to do and say and have in a given moment. And so when we're invited away from self-interest, we're invited towards a thriving and participatory relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the God of the universe. This is good news. When we're invited to surrender our self-interest and our comfort, we're invited to say no to the way of self and yes to the way of the Spirit. And just so I'm saying this very clearly this morning, this is a process and not a destination. And I come to you and I come to this text as a fellow journeyer, someone who's in the process of surrendering their comfort to the Lord. By way of sharing a bit of my own story I can tell you this is good news. This is going to happen over time. Fast rewind with me to 2006. My wife and I committed the first year of our marriage. We were 19 and 18 to doing inner city missions, to be urban missionaries. 
And so we felt called, I felt it particularly uh, a strong call on my life to pursue Jesus on the margins when I was a freshman in Bible college. And so I did what you would naturally do if Jesus asked you to do that. I dropped out. I left Bible college and said, we're going to go and we're going to participate with this neighborhood on the other side of the country. And so we loaded up my Chevy Malibu, which had no air conditioner, and we had duct taped the window to stay in place. And we began our journey in the cool of the night in August from Texas to Atlanta. And I'll never forget pulling up and looking at the printed MapQuest directions and checking the address and checking it twice because there was a toilet in the front yard and there was no uh, uh, central air conditioning in our home. And as we looked around, more of the houses were vacant or abandoned than were occupied. It was uncomfortable. We spent many a nights falling asleep to the sound of sirens or dogs or gunshots or other things which we could not discern And many a days facing situation after situation that invited us away from comfort as we started to interact, and then as we started to neighbor, and then as we ultimately learned to love people who had faced systemic oppression and marginalization beyond what we thought was possible. It was uncomfortable. And so at the end of that year, we left back to comfort. Please, as far away from there as possible, Lord. And it took four years of God continuing to knock on the doors of our heart and inviting us to imagine life being lived out in a context like English Avenue again, but for more than a year. And so by the time we were ready to surrender our comfort to the Lord, our comfort was a little bit greater. We had built a house. We had had a baby. We had had friends. We had had family nearby. But we sensed the Lord calling us to know him in a different way in English Avenue. And so when Jesus says, I'm in distress, I feel that at a soul level. Because we knew that to respond to God's invitation, we would have to decenter ourselves from the story. Some of the dreams we had about our life would have to die so that we could have the dreams of God. And if I can just be really vulnerable for a moment this morning, I can tell you it's been harder than I could have imagined. In the last decade of life, the loss and the pain that I've gotten closer and closer to has at times felt unbearable. But I can also tell you this, that God's been so much better than we could have ever imagined. In decentering ourselves and our comfort and trusting God, we've gotten to see the hands of God at work. As Andrew said, we have the privilege of starting a school in this community that now owns a property debt-free because we watched God raise up $1.25 million cash. We get the privilege every day of serving 90 kids. We've had the privilege of helping start an affordable housing ministry that now houses 32 families in safe, quality, dignified, affordable housing and is working on 30 more And I've been able to watch God time and time again provide and heal and comfort and provide opportunities for flourishing in a place where those conditions did not previously exist. And so I'm here as a living witness just to bear witness to the reality that the invitation to death is actually an invitation to life. That's the story of the gospel. 
The invitation to surrender our comfort is the invitation towards the abundant life that Jesus offers in relationship with the Spirit. To be invited away from comfort is to be invited towards the movement and activity of God in you and the world around you. And that's good news. And so the question we examine here is, where could the Holy Spirit be inviting me away from comfort? Where could the Holy Spirit be inviting you away from comfort? The second invitation in the text is an invitation to surrender our conflict. Do you think I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And I will just admit, this is something I wish Jesus did not say. Because it is confusing. It is hard to understand. This is one of the more challenging and confusing things Jesus says. But in it, I believe that there's an invitation to reimagine conflict, particularly relational conflict. Again, I want you to consider, Jesus is going to face some pretty intense relational conflict. He will be betrayed by one of his disciples with a kiss. He will be denied by another. And ultimately, Jesus will end up alone, naked, beaten, and dying next to criminals on the cross. And so if anybody understands division or relational conflict, it is Jesus. And I would imagine that just by talking about this, relational loss or conflict is coming to the front of your mind, that it's sitting on your heart right now. And I just want to give you some space to notice that. I just want to say that I think one of the things that amplifies the pain of broken relationship, it amplifies the pain of betrayal, the pain you're probably feeling right now is a Western Christian vision of unity that is actually uniformity. And Jesus has a broader imagination than that. Jesus has a broader imagination for us. And so if there's relational pain that's sitting on your heart right now, I want you to know that Jesus is near to that and Jesus is coming for that. And I want to acknowledge that you probably don't need me to shape more of your imagination for a division. You probably can point to some things in your life that are divisive, but I think it's important to be on the same page. So let's walk through a timeline of the last, we'll call them six years. 2016, the election of Trump, division. We start sensing this division as we recognize the church, the bride of Christ, actually is married in these strange ways to a political party. There's division. And we endure four years and longer of some pretty harsh political discourse. Friends, relationships get sorted. And in 2020, March, there's a virus. You may have heard of it. And it's masks or no masks, vaccines or no vaccines. And there's division. And people are on sides. In May of 2020, we see something that maybe we had only read about in history books before. A whole country in unrest over the unjust, racialized treatment of black Americans by police. 
and we're wondering, can we say Black Lives Matter in church? Is CRT satanic? There's division. And then on January 6th, there's an insurrection. And perhaps this was the tip of the iceberg for us to begin to understand a little bit more of what it means to be an American Christian nationalist. Division. And we talked this morning already about war raging in Ukraine. And there are many wars raging in the world right now which we are not aware of because of the way our media outlets choose to report them. And so I mention all of those things, not because you need help thinking about division, but because when you're thinking about division, those things are in the room. They're here with us. And we can't face what we can't freely name. And so I want to name that if you are a person living in the year of our Lord, 2022, then you're sitting in some kind of division. And I want to name that the presence of conflict or division does not mean the absence of Jesus. And sometimes we imagine that Jesus exists outside of conflict or beyond the conflict or is transcendent to the conflict. And so we do everything we can to hurry past it. We busy ourselves with the work of reconciliation to feel better. But that is not what Jesus has for our imaginations. That's not what he says here. Jesus doesn't seem to provide an answer, but he does provide an invitation. He invites, he invites us to allow our conflict and our division to form us in ways that we don't have the language or imagination for yet, but God does. And so offering hospitality to the Spirit of God is saying, I'm going to surrender my conflict so that you can come and sit right in the midst of it. Jesus understands what it means to be divided. Jesus understands what it means to be betrayed. And so if you feel divided, if you feel betrayed, then Jesus identifies with you. And that's good news. The invitation to surrender our conflict is an invitation to welcome God's spirit so that we can have an imagination for the kind of peace that God actually wants to see in the world. So the question here is, where could the Holy Spirit be inviting me to surrender conflict or division? Where could the Holy Spirit be inviting me to surrender conflict or division? There's a third invitation. It's the invitation to surrender control. Verse 56 says, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And what I sense Jesus is saying here is, hey, you're predicting future outcomes based on a set of present circumstances alone. And Jesus might say, hey, there's more to the story. And his frustration is that they can do this, they can understand these things logically, but they fail to understand the activity of God that's happening in their midst. This gets into a depth that what I see is our attempt to control outcomes. And maybe I'm the only one that does this, so I can, I can talk to a party of one here. But when I look at a situation, maybe something that doesn't uh, quite align with what I'm thinking about, the first thing I'm trying to do is figure it out. Why? So that I can control the outcome. I want it to work out. When I'm looking at a situation in my life, I want it to work out according to the neatly designed Enneagram 1 plan I have for perfection. And maybe I'm alone. But I'd imagine a bit of that's what's happening here. 
hey, you see a cloud, you're going to respond. You're going to do something different. Rain's coming, going inside, that's logical. But where this gets in our hearts is when we feel so in control of circumstances that we lose the ability to see God at work in our lives, where we determine the outcome as opposed to allowing God to set the outcome. Let me say it this way. Maybe it'll help if I modernize the language of Jesus because I doubt you're like interpreting weather patterns in your life. Maybe, probably. If there's a meteorologist, let me know. But maybe for you, it's a medical diagnosis, some, a lab result. Maybe for you, it's the failure of a relationship. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a conflict with a parent or a sibling or a broken relationship. Maybe for you, it's the bank account. Those have become the indicators for you of how something's going to go. Is this getting more clear? Whatever predictor there is for you, I believe the Spirit of God wants to come to that place and speak a better word, a fuller word. The invitation to surrender our control is the invitation to say with our lives, Holy Spirit, come. Come to the place where I want to know how this works out. And you have control of the outcome. Friends, as far as I'm aware, Jesus, the one speaking these words to us today, is the only one in human history that knows human history from beginning to end. Jesus is the only one. He's seen the whole thing. The word that was flesh in the beginning, and the word is there at the end. Jesus knows how this all plays out. So if we are followers of the ways of Jesus, then we must be people who learn to locate ourselves in the story of God, a story that has a very specific beginning and a very specific end. Know how to interpret the signs isn't some weird quest to figure out how to read tarot cards. It's to say the Spirit of God can make clear to you the beginning and the end so that you can feel comfortable in the mess of the middle. Friends, when we locate ourselves in the story of God, we recognize this is not a story of doom and gloom. This is a story of hope and healing. When we locate ourselves in the story of God, we recognize this isn't a story of death and defeat. It's a story of resurrection and renewal. And Jesus is saying here, pay attention. Know how to find yourself in the story because life's going to get really hard. And I don't want you to get lost in the details. Why don't you know how to interpret the times isn't chastisement. No, it's the revelation of the deep gut desire that our God has for us to know as his children that everything is going to be all right. And the forward focus of the disciples' life and ministry was littered with darkness. Jesus knows what they're walking forward into. And so he's sharing with them, here's what I'm walking into. He enters their life just as he enters our life so that we might enter his. And so surrendering our control is about making space and recognizing that the Spirit of God is available to us and more than that, coming for us so we know how to interpret the sign. The invitation away from control is an invitation towards an understanding that where God's working in the world, we're invited to get in that flow. 
So the question for examination here is, where is the Holy Spirit inviting me to surrender control? Where is the Holy Spirit inviting me to surrender control? Well, how do we do this? How do we surrender comfort, conflict, and control? I'm glad you asked. One of the things I love about Jesus the most is his commitment to who we're becoming. The commitment that Jesus has to steward the discomfort and pain of his own life as a means to invite us into this intimate relationship with him in the spirit and the father just is stunning to me. Because not only is Jesus invested in who we're becoming, he's a part of the process. And so Jesus' invitation this morning, my invitation to you this morning by way of the Spirit is to pay attention. Pay attention. Be the kind of person who rhythmically evaluates the space that you're making for the Spirit to work in your life so that the Spirit can work through your life. Neurobiologists, so if you don't trust me, trust the people that study our brains. They're very smart. They say that we become what we pay attention to. We become what we pay attention to. This is the way we were made. This is how we were designed by God. What we pay attention to matters. More importantly, the way we pay attention matters. And so when we surrender our comfort, when we surrender our conflict, when we surrender our control, we can begin to pay attention to the activity of God in those spaces and not outside of those spaces. Why? You ask good questions. Because the Spirit of God in us is meant to promote peace and justice around us. Friends, the stakes are much higher than just our own stories and who we're becoming. We experience this within the world. When we become hospitable to the Holy Spirit, when we invite the Spirit of God to work in us, we become the kinds of people who can see the Spirit of God working through us, and the Spirit of God working through us is in the business of accomplishing the purposes and plans of God, making earth look more like heaven. Said another way, surrender and attentiveness will prepare us to be the kinds of people that meet the needs of the hurting world around us. Jesus came as the physical representation of the invisible God, and therefore his earthly purposes and eternal purposes are bound by the initiation of a kingdom. And the purposes of that kingdom were to see justice and peace established on earth that everything and everyone might flourish. And we get to that end by renewal and restoration and redemption so that places and people can bear the original intent that God had for them. That's the business the Father's always been about, and that's still the business the Father's about today, and we're invited to participate. What Jesus invites us to is not less than personal sanctification, but it's always more. It's more. We surrender our comfort. We surrender our conflict. We surrender our control, not just to be better husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and coworkers. Those are all good things. They matter. But we respond to this invitation because we know 
It's the means by which Jesus ultimately seeks to restore all of creation. And so if there's any place in your imagination that injustice persists, if there's any place in your imagination that flourishing is not, then perhaps the Spirit of God wants to prepare you to move towards that place. There's an easier way to say this. Someone really smart and holy in this church thought it up. It's practicing the way of Jesus for the renewal of all things. I'll close with this image for you. Jesus uses some fire imagery at the beginning of this passage. And one way to understand this is it's Jesus asking the Holy Spirit to come. He's calling the Holy Spirit to come. He's like, hurry up. I need your help. And we need God's help. This is only possible with God's help. And so here's a picture I want us to have in our imagination about this fire. There's a show I love on Netflix called Blown Away. Any blown away people here? There's one. You are not alone. So good. It's a glass blowing competition. It's good family fun. Here's here's the intro in my uh, narrator voice. Throw sand, lime, and soda into a 2,000-degree Fahrenheit furnace, and you get liquid gas. Skilled glassblowers gather the molten mixture using hollow pipe, and when they blow, the glass inflates to form a bubble to shape and sculpt. This imagery of raw materials, of heat, of pressure, of discomfort, in the hands of a skilled artisan is one that I would offer to your imagination. Jesus is inviting us to make space for the Holy Spirit to shape us, to sculpt us, and to form us. To respond to the invitation this morning to surrender our comfort and our conflict and our control into the capable hands of a God who will take them and shape them and us into the kinds of people who participate with the Spirit of God in the renewal of all things. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you help? We know there is no way apart from you that we can release the tight grip we have. There's no way I can release the tight grip I have on comfort and conflict and control apart from you. So I ask, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you bring into our imaginations the places you desire to shape us and form us. Out of an intimacy and a love for us, would you call us deeper in still to see your hands at work in our life so that we might see your hands at work in the world. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.